I don't care what things look like right now, God is able to restore the years that the locusts have taken, and he will make what you're going through right now like it never even happened. If you will get your eyes on him, uh, you'll look back one day like we do now, and it's like, I don't even know how you did that, Lord. And what seems impossible to man is possible with God. I don't care what it looks like. America's me-first pursuit of happiness has created chaos in many marriages. Many husbands are looking at marriage as a way for their own needs to be met. This self-centered mindset leads to nothing but strife. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Purity for Life. I'm your host, Nate Dancer. Today we have Jeff and Rose Cologne with us. They'll talk with us about their failures, their struggles, and the long journey that they've been on to know Christ. Because it has been in getting to know Him that every part of their lives have been transformed, including their marriage. As we wrap up our husband series today, we have an interview with Jeff and Rose Cologne, a couple that served Peer Life Ministries for over 20 years after Jeff graduated our residential program. Before Jeff came here, his marriage was in shambles. He was addicted to drugs and sex, and he dragged his wife through all of that. But when he came to Peer Life Ministries back in the early 90s, he began to understand the reality of the Christian life and what it really means to pick up his cross. As he started to follow Jesus on the narrow way, he found new life. And this new life radically changed him and the way he saw being a husband. Over the last year or so, we've had a lot of new people listening to the podcast and and checking out our YouTube channel. So I think a lot of people probably are unfamiliar with you and your story. Mm -hmm. And so I was hoping that you would share just a few minutes of what you were like before God saved you and also how he saved you. So basically, I grew up in a good home, uh, Catholic, believed in God, but got involved in drugs and sexual sin at a very early age. And when I was about 19 years old, uh, my sister reached out to me who had gotten born again, saved. And I went to her church and they had a drug rehab thing at night. And I said the sinner's prayer. I knew I needed the Lord, but I just kind of started going to church and I didn't feel any different inside. I, I don't think I really understood what I did. I knew I needed something, so I might as well try God. So I guess you could say I became a Christian outwardly, right? but I was still the same person inside. And I just struggled with drugs and sexual sin for like seven more years. And then I met Rose and thought, well, you know, maybe a a good Christian woman, that's my answer. But uh, obviously it wasn't. And so I wound up going into a program right after we were married, did pretty good, got out, went back into my sin. Then I went to another program, 
uh, same scenario and could figure out, you know, like, why, why is this not working for right. me? But finally, when I came here to Kentucky, I think for the first time I understood what it meant to be a Christian. I never really got into the Word of God. I was never really hearing, or maybe I did, just didn't hear it, the narrow way and what it means to really forsake everything yeah. for Christ. And I'll never forget one day God just made it real to me. Jeff, you can't serve two masters. And that was my problem. I wanted the world, mm. and I wanted God, too. And it wasn't until God one day just unveiled the cross to me and made it real to me how wretched I was, but yet how much he loved me. And I really, I think for the first time in my life, was utterly broken over my sin. And in that realization, uh, just understood that he still loved me. And that's really when my life changed. That's when I finally surrendered everything and gave up the other master and made him my Lord and Savior. And, you know, the gospel only works when you do it as prescribed. Mm. And that was my problem. I was trying to include God in my life, but he wanted my life. And I finally surrendered to him. That was 28 years ago. And he broke those things in my life that I never thought possible. But I also learned, and I'm still learning today, it's a daily walk. Right. Yeah, it's amazing how you can hear the exact same words, but something happens on the inside where everything changes on the inside. The message hasn't even necessarily changed, but something is real inside mm -hmm. that was never that yeah. way before. And I want to give glory to God because there is something to just unmerited favor and grace. And if you have a sincere cry in your heart, and I believe I did, I just didn't know how to get there. He arranged things in my house, in my life, to finally get me to a place where I was desperate enough to go after him and was ready, I guess, as he knew, to uh, make that decision, cross that line. But it was all him. Yeah. You know, and I have to give him the glory for that. Yeah. And I'm so thankful Amen. for his mercy in my life. What about you, Rose? Can you share just a little bit of your testimony? I got saved at work in 1984. There was a girl that was witnessing the Lord to me, and I came from a home that my parents were divorced at 10, and my dad went back to Puerto Rico, so I felt like I was left abandoned and alone. So a girl at work was sharing the Lord with me, and I know she started sharing about the love of Christ, and I never heard anyone share the love of Christ the way she was. Couldn't understand why would he die on the cross for me, knowing what I am, what I have become, because I was angry and rebellious and mm. gave over to drinking and just living that you life. You knew you were a sinner. Oh, I knew I was a sinner. However, she prayed with me. One day I told her, I said, well, I want to know this Jesus and I want to know this love because I've never known a pure love like that before. So she led me to the Lord and she gave me a Bible and told me to read the book of John and I did that. But I didn't plug into a church, and I didn't have any discipleship. So I was still hanging out with people that I sh were bad influences mm. on me. And because I didn't know how to crucify my flesh and deny myself, I would just drift back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. So that's 1984. 1989, when I met Jeff, 
he took me to his church. And the minute I walked into that mm-hmm. church, I knew this is what I've been missing. And this is what I need. And I recommitted, if I could say that, <laughs> to the Lord in that service, I remember. And I got plugged into a discipleship class. And that's when God started setting me free of things that I needed to be set free from. A lot of it was anger, bitterness, resentment at my dad for leaving and starting another family. And the Lord told me, I need to let that stuff go. You know, So that's the first area where he started working in my life. And I'm just so thankful because God knew what I needed Mm -hmm. because he saw the cry in my heart in 1984, I believe, that I really sincerely wanted to know the Lord. I wanted to know his love, but I didn't know how do I do this, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it wasn't until I met him and we got connected into his church and then the trials we started going through that that's where the Lord started revealing himself to me, really making me to know him in the way I wanted to know him. So in our other episodes, we've talked a lot about some of the interpersonal dynamics of a relationship and what it takes for a husband and a wife to have have a good marriage, but what we haven't really focused on yet is what it means for a husband to maintain his own personal relationship with the Lord and how that affects the marriage relationship. And I'm sure, I mean, we all know, if we're not having that clear fellowship with the Mm -hmm. Lord, Mm -hmm. that is going to start affecting our interpersonal relationships. Yeah, um... You know, when I finally got my act together and finally really gave my life to the Lord, you know, he set me free from things that had held me in bondage for many years, but my marriage was a mess. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also understood, okay, I can't fix my marriage and I can't do this in my own strength. Mm -hmm. I need divine help. I don't even know how to love my wife. Mm. And so it drove me to the Lord, and I just understood that if I don't come to a place where my intimacy with Him isn't where it needs to be, and I'm not understanding His love and how He responds to me, what His Word speaks to me of Him, and how I need to be responding, um, that comes through my own personal walk with him. Right. And unless that's real in my walk with him, how in the world am I going to learn to live that out towards my wife? So yeah. I made that my focus first. Okay. And then we were able to focus on the marriage. Uh-huh. Were there things in your own relationship with the Lord that you really had to work through so that you could love Rose the way you needed to? Sure, and I like to use Philippians 2 a lot in marriage counseling, only because it's something God had to help me with a lot. Okay. Because obviously before I came to Christ and before I truly repented, I was a very selfish man. Mm. And the thought of even thinking about her interest really didn't come to my mind. So I really, you know, the Apostle Paul says, discipline yourself or exercise yourself in godliness. So I knew I have to transform. I need my mind renewed. I need to be transformed in the renewing of my mind. And so Jesus, first of all, is my example, but his word 
teaches me how to do that. Mm-hmm. So I had to start applying, literally pray every morning. So I would write out scriptures to help remind me, like, put the interests of others before yourself. It's like, <laughs> okay, I, I need to, when I'm interacting with Rose, like, consciously remind myself to listen and to be aware of what she is needing rather than what I need to do or whatever. Um, and it was a process of training myself with the Word of God and the help of the Holy Spirit and through prayer, daily learning how to love my wife, how to deny myself. Again, we can't just learn it in our heads. We have to practice it. Yeah, because it's so unnatural. Yeah. We haven't been living that way at exactly. all. Exactly, yeah. And that's the transforming power of the gospel uh, that we participate in as we yield ourselves, as we're being renewed in our minds. What about you? Were there things about your relationship with the Lord that were a challenge for you while you were trying to rebuild a marriage? There were, because even though we were at Pure Life after he graduated, going through the intern program, we had the schedule, seeking the Lord, getting in the Word, but still I had hidden fears in my heart of him going back to his sin. Okay. So that would pop up, like if he had to do an errand or something and was running late, and if Steve came into my office and said, where's Jeff? It's like, I don't know, where is he? You know, And I'd start panicking. <laughs> right. Because all I ever knew the first three years of our marriage was him going back to his sin. So there were times when he would come back and, you know, here on I-75, if there's a wreck, you're stuck. Uh-huh. And back then, there were no cell phones, believe it or not. So <laughs> What? A he, world before cell yeah, phones? Yeah, <laughs> so he would come and I would be in it like if he had sent the old, the old, you know, how I used to respond. And he'd be like... What's wrong with you? And I realized that that was all consuming for me, Mm. that he was still going to go back. And what I was doing was making his sin bigger than Christ. And every time I did that, it hindered me from seeing him. It hindered me from having that intimacy with him. So I realized every time that would happen, I realized God's got to do something in my heart because this is like hindering my walk with him, and I'm not trusting him, you know, so he was showing me how much I don't trust him, you know, and showing me the unbelief in my heart, really believing that God did do a work in him. And all those things were just hindering my walk with the Lord, because really, I was in unbelief. And I had to repent of that, you know, because I realized my heart's not right, either. In this situation, you know, I'm failing as a wife because I'm not believing the best about my husband, like First Corinthians tells us to. You know, I'm believing the worst, and I'm meditating mm-hmm. on the things that are not true. I'm meditating on, well, he's still like this, and he's still going to do this. But reality is, God did do a work in his heart. So again, I needed to repent of my thinking. So I needed the Lord. So even though I was seeing my lack and where I was at, it drove me to Christ because I realized you have to help me with this. I was so stuck in that trap in my mind, you know, that web of thinking evil in that way, Mm -hmm. that I knew, Jesus, you have to help me to change because I don't want to go through my whole married life like this because you have done a work in him. It is amazing how much 
of what we experience and our emotions and our thoughts are so tied to what we believe about God and what matters to us most. Like, or I guess what reality we're living in. Are we living in the reality of his faithfulness or are we living in the reality of the what if and how much of those things control us? So what kinds of things did you guys do to cultivate that relationship with God so that your marriage could be better? Well, I'm sure you've talked about this, but obviously our own devotional life our own daily time in the Word where you're renewing the mind, but then also communicating. Mm. That, to me, is one of the most important things in a marriage is being able to communicate with understanding and using Scripture to help keep the focus where it needs to be. So, for instance, what she was sharing, I had to be understanding of what she was dealing with, but then... We had to talk that through and then help one another with what is true, what isn't true. And obviously, we need the Word of God for that. And then praying for one another and understanding our struggles, you know, but learning how to go to God with it. Uh, Again, if I'm not connecting with the Lord in my own life, if I'm not renewing my mind daily in His Word and practicing it, I'm not going to have what I need for her when she's going through something like that. I'm probably going to respond in the flesh and get defensive. Well, what do you mean? You don't trust me by now? And so, again, the key is me walking in the Spirit every day. And there's a whole process in that. I'm spending time with Him. I'm renewing my mind. And then I'm applying it, living it out throughout the day so that when that happens, I have God's help there. I have the Holy Spirit. I have His grace his truth to lead me as a husband for my wife. Yeah. You know, I listen to you talking and it sounds um, like a lot of people wouldn't really be very satisfied with that answer. <laughs> like, wait a second. Come on. There's got to be some seminar that I can go to <laughs> no. or some book I can read. Or whatever. You're telling me that I just got to slug like this out on, in the day to day. Yeah. And I think that's where we get disillusioned. A lot of times, either either we're looking for a zap, like, just pray for me, make this go away, or you're going to do it for me. Somehow you have this magic answer or pill that's going to make everything better. And what I tell people all the time, I mean, most of what we do is marriage counseling. I tell them, I said, we can only point you to Jesus. We can only point you to the answer, but what you do with that on a daily basis is going to determine how much God can work in your life. You have to do it. We have to pursue God on our own. That doesn't mean we don't come alongside, we pray for them, but ultimately we have to own that for ourselves, and that's only going to happen as we're seeking him individually. Are there things that you do as a couple to cultivate that relationship with the Lord? I mean, I would just say it this way. We're just always constantly pointing each other to the Lord. And to what God's Word says. And to what God's Word That's says. Key. Yeah. key. You know, just reminding one another of, let's say if one is struggling in their faith or 
one is struggling with fear of the unknown or whatever it might be, finances, you know, think about the days we're in now where some people are tight with the finances. We try to encourage one another with scripture, what God's word said or what Jesus has said. And when we're not doing that, we welcome the rebuke, so to say, because again, it gets our focus where it needs to be. You know, why am I focusing on all this stuff over here when the Lord already addressed those issues in his word? And again, am I applying that in this situation? So I think that's what we have that's really strong in our marriage, that we do a lot is encourage one another in that way, but then correct one another and just speak into one another's lives and then pray for one another when we see the other ones having a hard time in a particular area. So that is what has really strengthened our marriage and helped us to stay focused on what's really important. And you have to be in the spirit to do that. And again, sensitive to the Lord, working on things in your own life. Because if you're not you'll correct in the wrong way yeah. or you'll know you won't won't know when well this isn't the time to correct this is the time to just put my arm around her and pray for her you know what i mean yeah. and so that's just a quality only the spirit of god can help you with so again our walk with god is going to determine how we respond in those situations well and that's what i was thinking about when you were talking about this it could be really done in two ways one is an adversarial approach where I'm correcting you because you're messing up my life. Right, or self-righteous way yeah. too. Whereas it sounded very much like you're talking about I'm on the same team. Yes. I'm encouraging yeah. you and I'm challenging you because I love you, not because I'm trying to right. fix you. Right. And what does right. she need at this moment, not what do I want? Right. Again, it's always others-focused. And Jesus obviously was the master of that. That's why I love reading and just watching how he dealt with people. He knew how to respond in every situation because he saw the heart. He knew the need. But God will help us. We're not going to be perfect, obviously. I'm not always perfect, <laughs> right. trust me. Um, I don't want to give that picture. And I, I want to make sure that people don't compare themselves with other people. It's, it's going to look a little different. Mm. for each like sometimes people mm -hmm. look at us because from new york and just the way we talk and they're like oh are they fighting it's like no this is how we talk we're we're from <laughs> new york normal. so we want to be careful <laughs> what we think that looks like oh i'm talking soft and slowly and all that no we're different in different ways it's the spirit we're in okay what spirit are we in and that's why it's so important, the individual time with the Lord, because that's where if you could get yourself quiet before him and get your heart right before him. I remember Steve always telling me that you have to get your heart right before him before you go saying anything to anyone. Until that happens, you're not going to be in the right spirit. And you won't know when is the right time to speak and when's the right time to be silent. And because you're being silent doesn't mean, okay, you're sweeping the issue under the rug. It just means at the right time, the Holy Spirit will open up the door for you to have that conversation with your spouse. And I've seen that many times. You know, a lot of times wives can have the tendency of want to run in and fix their husbands. 
But I tell them, pray, 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 because there's a third party in our marriage. There's there's a third party that came into this covenant with us. That's God, a father. You wow. know, God, our father is in this relationship with us. So if you go to your father and talk to him about, you know, your struggles and you know you're not right and so on and so forth. And if this is an issue that really needs to be addressed, well, then trust in the Lord to open the door at the right time where those things can be talked about. And I've seen that over the years we've been married. It's 30 years now where there's been times where he has to talk to me about something, bring correction, or I have to, but we wait on the Lord. You know, that quiet time we have with the Lord enables us to be able to wait on him. And then when that door opens, you know it's him. Yeah. You, you really know it's him opening that door where you're able to present what the issue is. And that person now can receive it because you've been praying, you've been waiting on the Lord, you've been letting the Lord subdue your flesh. You know, mm-hmm. so many times we want to react or we want to fix. Mm-hmm. And that could be true of the husband or the wife. We want to fix it, you know. But we got to wait on the Lord. And, and we got to wait on his timing. And I'll just add to that. What we've seen a lot of times, you'll be praying for your spouse, and they'll just come and say, you know, the Lord's been dealing with <laughs> me about it. That's the open door. And you're, you're inside, you're like, thank you, Lord. That's the open door. You know, uh, and mm-hmm. it's so much better that way. Mm-hmm. You know, I also want to say, just as a single man, I'm getting a lot out of what you're saying myself because we all have well, interpersonal yeah, relationships. Yeah. This could be for a pastor. Yeah, this absolutely. could be for mm-hmm. yeah. a single man. This could be for a father and a son mm-hmm. or anything. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. this is really valuable. And I'm still in maybe sixth grade on this, just <laughs> so you understand. Okay. I haven't mastered no, this yet. Still learning. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> one of the things that you mentioned as we were preparing for this interview was that um, one of the things that helps you be a good husband is remembering the mercy that God mm-hmm. had on you when you were struggling to obey Him. What did you mean by that? Well, I'll just say that's always, that's not just even looking back to when I was a complete rebel. It's just recounting daily how long-suffering, kind, merciful, gracious He is to me. In every situation, obviously, looking back, remembering um, what a rebel I was, and especially that encounter where I just, for the first time, saw the cross in a way I hadn't seen it. Um, I'm that servant that's just real to me that's been forgiven millions, and I could have never, and that's just real to me, and it needs to be real to me every day. So I just thank him. I just make it a practice to just continually be thanking him for how good he's been to me, how merciful, how undeserving I was and still can be, but yet he loves me. And that's what motivates me. It's the love of Christ that compels me. Um, It's him pleading through me. It's not something I can muster up in myself. It's because he loved me. That's how I even understand love. Yeah. And when you're you know, I was just thinking back to what you were saying about being on the same team, mm-hmm. um, because even sometimes when we realize that something needs to change in another person's life, like if you're thinking about Rose or Rose, mm-hmm. you're thinking about Jeff, mm-hmm. and you're seeing something that needs to change, mm-hmm. that process of change can take time, a lot of time. Some it's of these things are time. deeply ingrained, mm-hmm. 
And it's so helpful when we remember how long it took for us to change in certain areas. It makes us way more patient with people. Or there's still something in our own life. Obviously, it's not the sin maybe I was involved in, but maybe it's just eating not the right thing. You know, mm-hmm. I take care anything that I'm just still weak in my flesh that there's always something God's dealing with mm-hmm. us about and we're working on. And the minute we think we've arrived and uh, we got it, we're in trouble. And then we've forgotten. Yeah. yeah, and we start treating people very yes. unlike the Lord treated oh, yeah, us. Yeah, that's the, the yeah. seedbed for a Pharisee. Yeah. <laughs> then you start laying hard things on other people that you're not willing to pick up yourself. I think that one of the common misconceptions with husbands about what it means to be a husband is that it's really just about making money and providing in a natural way. And that can damage a lot of wives and can damage a lot of of marriages. And you experienced something like that in your own marriage prior to Jeff coming to Pure Life. Can you talk about what that was like for you? Sure. Well, those two things that you mentioned was what I saw in him that wanted to marry him, that he was responsible, he had a good job, he could provide for the needs that we have. And what I realized once I got involved in pure life counseling, that all that had to do with my life in this world. Mm. It had nothing to do with the kingdom of God. You know, so God started showing me that I had a worldly mindset, not an eternal mindset. And that was doing damage to me and my walk with the Lord because I realized everything I was doing was for self. It wasn't for the kingdom of God. That was something that I'm so thankful early on in our marriage when we got here, three years into our marriage, God was dealing with me about that. And I had to realize what was more important is not what the world says, because really that's what the world says. You make money, have a good job, Mm -hmm. you have a house, you have the perfect American life, you know. What was more important was, are we loving one another as Christ calls us to love one another by sacrificially delaying ourselves? That's what we were learning after we got involved with Pure Life, how to love in that way one another, because that was more important. And then two, how does God want to use our marriage to advance the kingdom of God, Mm. to minister the gospel to people? Because The only thing we could take with us when our time is done here on earth is souls. We can't take our treasures. We can't take our possessions. Someone else is going to get all that. That's what Solomon said, right? You leave it to someone else. (laughs) Right. Right? Mm -hmm. But souls is the only thing we get to take with us. So looking at how does God want to use our lives to do that? And that's how we wound up being here for so long and ministering where we were because that became now our priority in our marriage. Mm. He gave us more an eternal mindset in our marriage. Yeah, I mean, you've you've done a lot of counseling now. You you see that being a very common perception for men about marriage. Yeah, and you know, I grew up be responsible. You're the man. You need to provide, and obviously, we should provide for our families. The problem is when we think that's all we're called to do, or we do it to the degree that we're not even there for our families. 
Um, so that was a mindset that obviously had to change for me. And I knew when I started reading the Word of God and learning what God says a husband should be, that I was not being a spiritual head of my family. And it's hard for guys that have been in sin, and then the wife maybe in their minds is more spiritual because they have been in the things I've been in. They kind of let them take that role. And I did that with Rose. And God allowed me one day to see her need for me to step into that role. And I was very convicted about it. And it didn't matter how I felt inadequate for that role or because of my past, whatever, or thinking she was more spiritual, you know, because I was just getting my life right. It doesn't change God's command for me to be the priest of my home. So I have to start doing that right where I'm at and trust in the Lord to help me step into that role. And then what I see in counseling over and over again is a marriage that is in turmoil. Uh, a lot of times there's kids involved. And typically uh, the wife is the one contacting us. The husband typically comes begrudgingly. And we start working with them. And as I said earlier, what you do with what you're given is going to determine the outcome. And so a lot of times the husbands are so bogged down with work because in their minds, this is my this important is what, thing this that is my I need primary to be doing. Mm -hmm. And so they're working, working so many hours. They don't have time for the homework. They don't spend time with their family, their kids are a mess and they're not training them up in the Lord. They're kind of just leaving it to the wife. And I try to encourage them and even challenge them like, hey, are you willing to, your priorities aren't right. Are you willing to even like downscale? Because what you're doing right now has no eternal value. And you need to be able to step into your role as a priest, as uh, the spiritual head. You need to be there training up your kids. You can't do that if you're working 60, 80 hours a week. Yeah. Um, and we've had very few respond to that. But really, something has to change in their walk with yeah. God. Yeah. Something has to happen in yeah. their heart. They obviously don't have an eternal mindset. Yeah. They're living carnally and just mm -hmm. not setting their minds on the things above. So the husband is such a vital part. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's why society is so strongly coming against that because uh, the devil understands the power in that when the husband is leading correctly and they're in their proper roles, complementary roles, mm -hmm. biblical roles. Um, it's powerful because then God is able to work through that marriage, through that home, and, and he's glorified and they are effective then for the kingdom of God, like she was saying. And that doesn't matter where you live, what you're doing. I believe anybody, no matter where you are, what kind of job you're doing, if your priorities are right, he's going to use you and your family for the kingdom of God. Amen. I like that because you're really giving also something for people to look forward to. You know, this isn't just about your relationship. This right. isn't just about your personal happiness. God mm -hmm. wants to really... Especially people coming out of a hard situation, a lot of times that becomes the focus. Mm -hmm. And we just don't want that to happen again. Right. You know, or my husband to go back to this. And that becomes the goal. And that's mm -hmm. not the goal. Right. The goal is to know Christ 
And the goal is to be ambassadors and, like she said, mm-hmm. to win souls, to, to make disciples. Now that you've been made a disciple, go make disciples. Mm-hmm. And it's to live for the kingdom of God. And God wants to do that through your marriage and through your home. For those who are right in the middle of that painful reconciliation process, mm-hmm. what I just want to wrap up on this. What would you what would you say to them? If you could sit across from the desk and just give them one message, what would well, you say? Well, it immediately popped in my mind uh, because I just know our testimony. I don't care what things look like right now. God is able to restore the years that the locusts have taken, yes. and he will make what you're going through right now like it never even yes. happened. If you will get mm-hmm. your eyes on him, wow. trust him, believe him, um, seek him, keep knocking, just keep um, him your focus, and uh, you'll look back one day like we do now, and it's mm-hmm. like, I don't even know how you did that, Lord. And uh, he just gets all the glory, mm-hmm. and you will not regret it one bit. And just, just, just know this hope. What seems impossible to man is possible with God. Mm-hmm. I don't care what it looks like. Wow. And we've seen that over mm-hmm. and over, not just our testimony, We've seen it in countless lives. Mm-hmm. What about you, Rose? Yeah, I want to say that the key, well, one of the keys, there's <laughs> a lot of keys, <laughs> but one of the keys is walking in humility towards the yeah. Lord and mm-hmm. towards one another, being willing to humble yourself, being willing to say, I'm wrong, I don't see things right, you know, in our marriage. Uh, if you maintain that posture in your heart, both the husband and the wife, there's no telling what God will do. Yeah. You know, because he works in people's lives that are willing to walk in that mindset and that heart condition lonely mm-hmm. before the Lord. That's where the Lord is. That's where he shows up. That's where he does miracles, surprises, whatever you want to call it, wonders. I mean, if you can both live there. And not finger point or mm. not be a victim or what if. So everything we've talked about today, God can work and he can do miracles. He's still the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus is. He's still doing miracles. He can restore marriage. He can heal it. Like Jeff said, what we went through, it's like it never happened. It's like it was another lifetime. It's getting to the point that it feels like... Did this really Did that happen? Even really happen? You know, yeah. because he's, or who was that guy? Who was that girl? Yeah, you know, because just, he does make all things he new. He really does. I mean, he, he really has does. made all things new in our marriage. And like Jeff said, it doesn't matter what it looks like right now. I know it's painful. I know it hurts. I know it's like, why do I have to go through this? It's not fair. You know, we wrestle with all those feelings inside. But if we could see Christ in the midst of it. You come out of that trial just glorifying him, mm-hmm. and everyone can see his fingerprints on your marriage, you know, yeah. on your life, and realize God did that. But he did that because you were willing to humble yourself, mm-hmm. you know, and walk in humility towards one another. And um, things don't just happen. I mean, we do serve a sovereign God that will mm-hmm. use. Everything mm-hmm. in our life, good and bad, if we love him, if we trust him, like Romans eight twenty eight says, he will 
bring good. And and we got to forget about our expectations, what we think it should look like. Um, he His ways are so far above our ways. I was just reading that this morning. Mm-hmm. Um, his thoughts are not our thoughts. Um, and what I have learned when I surrender and humble myself and just receive everything from his hand and let him produce in me what he's wanting to through my trials, um, he does something so much better than I could have ever imagined. And that's what he has in store. But again, not what we think right. better. It's mostly just knowing him better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because yeah. that's ultimately all we need. That's why Paul prayed to know the love of Christ. God opened their understanding. Because when you're secure in that, nothing else matters. You're sold out. You don't care. You know, you're willing to do anything. So after I finished interviewing Jeff and Rose, I was talking with them in the hallway. And I commented to them that I was amazed at how they could talk about their past lives with such freedom. The things that Jeff did to Rose were horrendous, but when I watch her looking at him, I don't see anything but love. I can tell that she doesn't have any bitterness toward him or resentment. She's not holding those things above his head. It's really amazing. And Jeff said, it's just like Jesus's scars. They show that he went through horrible things, but now they're only reminders of the great love that he has for us. The pain is gone. And I just think it's such a wonder that Jesus also did the same thing for Jeff and Rose. The reminders of the pain are still there, but all that is left is love and grace. We hope you've been blessed by this whole series. You heard from Pastor Glenn that God desires to use the struggles in your marriage to mold both of your characters. You've heard from Pastor Steve about how it took a lot of breaking to bring him to the place where he could selflessly love Kathy. You heard from Dustin that the road to freedom began with a painful confession to Brittany, but it ended with a marriage built on Jesus Christ the Rock. You heard from Pastor Ed that even if we've been doing things all wrong, the Lord can still transform us into humble servant leaders of our families. There was so much truth in this series, so much challenge, and so much encouragement. May God richly bless you through all that was said. Thanks for joining us on Purity for Life, and we'll see you next time. Purity for Life is a production of Pure Life Ministries. For over 30 years, Pure Life Ministries has been the go-to for those whose lives have been devastated by sexual sin. Visit us on the web for more information about our life-changing counseling programs and powerful teaching materials. Also check out our video clips of men and women whose lives have been radically transformed. All that and more at purelifeministries.org.